0: quick backstory on me i've always been in marketing some of our most successful text campaigns have literally been me in my bathroom at home taking a photo of the products that remain jack products i have one of the most important things i think about factors for retention is new products if you don't have a strategy in place to capture emails emails at minimum text just a way to contact your customers and don't have an infrastructure to just engage with them after their purchase it's just a huge missed opportunity this is the retention road a podcast that uncovers actionable retention strategies for your d2c brand Deb interviews the top in-house retention marketers to help you increase repeat purchase rate, drive customer loyalty, and build community. Enjoy the episode.
1: Hey everyone, welcome to the Retention Road podcast. Today I have Troy with me from Everyman Jack. Troy leads retention at this amazing, amazing DDC brand that I've been a fan of since, I don't know, 2019, ever since I got into DDC.
0: Troy, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to, to chat.
1: Amazing, amazing! First off, sorry for waking up uh, so early. It's I know it's seven thirty there.
0: <laughs> I, I hope you have your coffee. No worries, no worries. Time zones are hard.
1: <laughs> Time zones are hard, indeed. Where are you from? Where are you based?
0: So I'm based in Los Angeles. I grew up in Northern California. Always lived in California, but right now based in LA, working remotely. Everyman Jack is based in the California Bay Area, so right outside San Francisco. So I joined during COVID and kind of got grandfathered into the remote life, which is, I can't complain.
1: I, I know indeed. Like funny, I entered into the remote life and I've never gone back. I'm never going back again either. So all good there. Awesome. Awesome. So I, I would love to know a little bit about you. Could you tell me about you and the brand uh, a little bit?
0: Yeah, for sure. So quick backstory on me. Um, I've always been in marketing a bunch of different types of companies prior to Everyman Jack, but mostly in the startup space. I strangely started my career in um, health insurance, vision insurance specifically, and was on a five building campus in a cubicle right out of college. And that only lasted one year. And then from then on, um, up until Everyman Jack was always pretty much startups. Startups of a bunch of different types, my first e-commerce, true e-commerce brand was the one prior to Everyman Jack, was a company called Lensable. They're still around. And it was kind of a play on Warby Parker, but instead of, you know, just selling traditional glasses, which eventually they started doing, their angle was lens replacement for frames you already own, frames you might have, you know, gotten at a thrift store or um your prescription change or something like that. So that was a really kind of great learning experience in the e-commerce world because it was on Magento it was a very custom kind of you know experience it was a seven step checkout process where you're entering your prescription what kind of progressive for single vision lenses i want purple lenses with blue light blocking it was a really complicated setup so it was really like great way to learn e-commerce cuz i learned how to do everything the hard way. So once eventually I moved into the Shopify world, Um, obviously there's still challenges and complications, but it's almost like anything kind of seems easier than it was at that job. So from Lensable, I joined Everyman Jack. Everyman Jack has been around since 2007. It was actually a retail first company. So they started out in Target. It's just kind of the opposite story of most DTC brands that you probably talk to. But yeah, we eventually made our way to you know, starting everymanjack.com and selling online just a few years before I joined the company, which was 2021. So we're a, a men's grooming brand, naturally derived products, one of the kind of early innovators in that space. Uh, I remember in my kind of initial interview, the founder and CEO at the time was saying like 2007 was almost too early to start a brand for men's grooming with natural products as the whole kind of angle. And obviously, I think that was a, a very wise move to get started on that early because that's the huge kind of appeal type of brand that is appealing to guys at this point. But yeah, we sell body wash, shampoo, conditioners, deodorant, and kind of all the men's grooming staples you'd imagine.
1: Amazing. Yeah, I I remember talking to you in twenty twenty one. I think early when you 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 folks were also in some kind of custom CMS. Uh, I'm guessing Magenta or something else. Right. And you were saying that I was working at Oneament at the time, and you were saying, "Hey, oh, we would definitely love to use Oneament eventually." I'm guessing you you are a client right now. So
0: oh, we are. Yeah. Yeah. So it was funny. I, when I left Lensable, uh, I moved to Everyman Jack, obviously. And at the time they were still on Magento. It was uh, clarified in the interview process that they were already working with an agency to do the migration over to Shopify, which was a huge relief for me. But yeah, it was interesting because the first year we were on Magento, we were kind of on, I'm not going to call out any kind of platforms and apps, but like kind of the wrong stack. So it was a challenging first year because, you know, we're working. It was a very long process to kind of do the whole migration. Um, so trying to make things work with the tools that we had while knowing and starting to set up the the optimal tools. So interesting and challenging first year. And again, it was a great learning experience because got to learn, you know, how to run a subscription program with a very unwieldy tool. And then also just take those learnings and. Build the best version of the site that we knew we could with Shopify, and then yes, hey. Wonderment. We have installed Wonderment, loving it.
1: Eventually, yes. Uh, I I remember pushing it to you and saying, "Hey, you should definitely check out Wonderman. And um, yeah. at the time, Wonderment was also pretty new, and then uh, it gained so much steam everywhere. Yeah, they're one of my that. favorite,
0: one of my favorite and easiest apps to to kind of work with. Agreed, agreed.
1: Yeah. Uh. Awesome. Yeah. So that's. Uh, I, I love the great backstory that you uh, took from Lensable to Everyman Jack and you have, you know, worked across major tech stacks, right? Okay. So before we dive really deep into retention, I want to understand something and you could answer it in like, you know, as short or as long as possible. How much of an effect does a tech stack have on retention?
0: Oh, uh, that's a good question. I think, I think a lot there's. Obviously, a ton of different factors. If you don't have your customer support and kind of interactions on, you know, just like to a really good level. And that, you know, is can be obviously a a tool like Gorgeous makes that all easy. But like, I mean, you can do it with something as simple as email and phone calls. But Like there's elements like that packing inserts aren't all that, you know, reliant on the actual tech tool that you use. There's ways to kind of build and just work on retention um, by focusing on the customer experience that are not so reliable on a tech stack. But I mean, choosing the right tools and having your email system communicate with, you know, your text system and wonderment and all these other tools um, recharge, it just makes your life so much easier. And you spend much less time just trying to make things work and launch campaigns and all this stuff when you have all these automations talking to each other. So for, for me, has made my life way, way easier having all these things set up so that I can then focus on, you know, doing kind of more analysis and seeing what else we can do, just knowing that there's a baseline of things working in the background without my need for constant attention.
1: Makes makes a ton of sense. Yeah, uh, I also agree that TakeStack makes it, uh, a lot of difference because, well, it, it frees up time for you as simple as that so that you can invest in more strategy and more better work, as opposed to doing admin stuff, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Okay, cool. So let's let's dive in then. What's your overarching retention strategy for every mention?
0: Yeah, it's a good question and one that I'll caveat with it's it's an interesting company to lead retention for because again, retail is the the focus of the company and where the majority of the revenue comes through. So Target, Whole Foods, Walmart all of these kind of major stores were available in. So my role is very much focused on everymanjack.com. I'm part of our omni team, so we also have we're on Amazon, we're on Walmart.com. So I'm on the team the omni channel marketing team which is focused on e-commerce, but for the bulk of my kind of focus that's that's targeted towards everymanjack.com. You know, I'm focused on this we have our website retention number But we just know that, you know, if I send out a marketing email that's announcing a new product, X amount purchase and convert on the website, and there's this mystery number that then goes out or just adds it to their shopping list and purchases it the next time they're at Walmart. So it's one of those I'm looking at, you know, I have my metrics that I track, but I know that they're not fully accurate and I'm not fully tracking like retention for Everyman Jack holistically, if that makes sense. So in terms of what like my strategy though is for everymanjack.com, we kind of built the site for, there's two ways. So obviously we do a ton of acquisition work and we're bringing in customers to the site that may have not have heard of the brand, though we know through testing and surveys that most have some brand recognition, even if they've never purchased us before. Um, So there are new customers coming in. But I do kind of look at it almost as this the site is where someone that maybe tried our sandalwood body wash in Target once. And next time they went, maybe it was sold out um, and they wanted to, you know, purchase, they just loved it so much they want to find a way to purchase it now. Or they've tried a few of our products and just want to see what else we offer. And so it's kind of like the hub for. Yes, super fans, but also people that are just kind of brand loyal. I think guys, I think women too, but guys might be less uh, inclined to like try new brands and search. So once they find a brand that they like, they're like, okay, I just want to stick with every man. Yeah. And we have like really, you know, we have a bunch of different scents and people uh, tend to be pretty loyal to their scents. That's something actually we're like doing some testing and surveys around right now, scent mixing and matching. Um, So yeah, that's kind of like, how I sort of envision the site is like, these are the people that are primed for our subscription program and primed for a loyalty program, which we're working on right now. And just want a little more consistency and options because we have a ton of products on our website that are not available at all of our retail stores. It's kind of a mix and match. Like you'll see certain products at Target and it won't be the same products. We have our core staples, but you might not find our beard grooming products at Walmart and they're at Target, for example. So it's, if you want the full selection, the website is the place to go. And then, yeah, in terms of like strategy, so it's all about customer experience, which is obviously a very kind of vague term, but I, we really like are trying to, again, make this the hub for our super passionate customers. So there's all the automations in place Email, SMS are crucial for the retention strategy. I'm working a lot more recently with our customer support team. So doing a kind of like gorgeous chat campaigns is a big project we're working on right now. Trying to like really kind of guide our customers and give them a good kind of hands-on feeling digital experience. I think there's a lot of education for in the men's grooming space, so especially on a skincare and beard care a big focus this year is upping educational resources through blogs, videos, um, and just kind of guiding guys. They have acne or dry skin or whatever, giving them some education so that you know maybe they didn't come to the site uh, thinking that they were going to be purchasing skincare, but we want to kind of explain why a fully well-rounded out kind of grooming routine kind of benefits the customer. So very kind of I know vague answer to like retention strategy, but it's all about leaning into like the customer experience and looking at it, I kind of build the experience through a very like macro zoomed out view. And I'm like, okay, here's all the different interaction points and what can we do at each point to make it like the best customer experience?
1: Okay, yeah, that, that makes a ton of sense. So I, I could probably detect like two or three angles here. One. You or through your retention program or through your retention campaigns, you intend to send your customers to a subscription program because, well, that's let's let's face it, that's more revenue, that's more consistency, and that's obviously more attention. And second, you're, you're also for the customer. Of, absolutely, repeat customers. And second, you're you're focusing a lot on customer experience, and third is you're focusing a lot on customer education, so that. Actually, you know, if they're purchasing you know a face crop, they might also want an under eye cream or something like that, right? So uh, which is also, I'm guessing, boiled into the retention strategy where if they buy this, they would come back for that and then they would try something else so that that cycle still continues. Can you okay, uh, I'm gonna dive a little deeper into the education part. Can you tell me how you expand uh, or how you yeah, how you expand on the strategy?
0: Yeah. So it's something we're very much in progress on right now. So we have a blog, there's some great blog posts up there. A sort of shift this year in our strategy is thinking, again, we're an omni-channel brand, thinking about the people that are in the stores at Target. This is how I shop. But if I'm in store at Target and I'm debating between two body washes, let's say, I will pull out my phone and read reviews on both products really you know, quickly. Our website to this point, like most websites, has been set up to like get that transaction. But we, you know, kind of had the realization we don't need to be so precious. And if if someone purchases body wash and target, it still benefits the company. Like I don't need to be selfish and try and like solely get that uh conversion on the website so that my numbers look better. So we're trying to set up the site, and this is in progress, but like we want them to be convinced if they're standing in that aisle through our website that they should purchase that product right there. So if they Google the body wash, which probably not as good of an example as like a skincare where there's more education to be had, but we want them to see all these testimonials and reviews and like a how-to guide on how to use it and what products to pair it with. And then at the bottom of the PDP, there should be two blog posts that go much more kind of in-depth on men's skincare and like the essentials and all of that. So as we ramp up production on the educational content, like this is the part we're, we're working on now. is like then infusing that into all of our automated flows. And if you maybe, you know, our browse abandoned in two months, it's going to look like if you're looking at a skincare page, you'll get kind of the typical browse, abandoned email, but it'll also have, you know, some blog links at the bottom that are tied to the product you were looking at. So educational stuff takes time. And, you know, we have our product team working with a copywriter and all that to produce this content. There's the SEO angle as well. So we kind of, you know, that's all ramping up right now, but it's going to be a huge part of the strategy and infused in all of those kind of automations and touch points.
1: That is that is amazing. We'll we'll come back to those automations in a second, but I have I kind of have two questions for you, one after another. So, one, can you describe one I call a miracle campaign where it it just like worked really really well and you know outshined all the other standard campaigns that you run?
0: Yeah, definitely. And I was the one that popped to mind. I think popped to mind because it's almost Super Bowl um, here in the states, and last year. One of the campaign we ran, which will do something similar if it worked before. Um, and it's I wouldn't I don't know if it's that innovative, but with we use attentive and you can do you know conversational texts. So I remember last year we did a text a day or two before the Super Bowl basically, like who are you rooting for? We'll give you a you know a prize if you vote for the the winner. And it was just massively successful, one on an engagement standpoint. So that's something that we're trying to lean into more this year is um through SMS is like those conversational text messages where we're asking for interaction, you know, vote for this or tell us what your skincare concern is, or as a win-back flow, like, hey, we notice you haven't purchased in a hundred days. Like, will five dollars off, 15% off, or free shipping get you to convert? But to answer the question, yeah, that Super Bowl campaign last year was like hugely successful in terms of revenue. And then just the engagement rate and the reply rate to that message was like um, pretty mind-blowing. And yeah, it's about that time we're working on the copy for this year's version. So um, that's the one.
1: Okay. So questions on that. Uh, what was the question that you asked and what kind of replies did you get? And can you share some numbers, revenue? engagement rate, open rate, whatever, and uh, how did that affect your retention, or how did that inform your retention strategy going forward to do quirky, more quirky stuff?
0: Yeah, the revenue, I can't remember. It was in the, I mean, thousands, uh, for sure. The, or the reply rate, I believe, was like almost 70%, which... Wow. Generally, so we have some in our like automated SMS flows. We have like a skincare, what's your skincare concern and a few other ones. And they're generally, I think around in the forties. So like hitting 70% with that one was, I mean, hugely successful. Uh, And the copy was, it was pretty simple. It was something like, Hey, Super Bowls this weekend. Like uh, who are you hoping wins or something? It was a bit more on brand and fun but short message just asking like who are you rooting for and then we had a follow-up we gave i think it was like 20 percent off to the people that chose it correctly and i think 15 percent off for the people that got it wrong it was like a consolation prize i remember a debate was had around do we send that like that text message uh right after the game or do we save it for the next day because you know is everyone going to be too drunk to to shop that's right true. after this or not? Um, and I think we waited until the Monday. So that's probably what we're going to do this year too. But that's, that would be an interesting test to run.
1: That is, that is such Maybe a fun campaign.
0: That
1: is, that is such a, such a fun campaign. I I, I love that. I love that. And yeah, so uh, I'm guessing like that also informs a little bit on the retention end because like people love fun, right?
0: Yeah, I realized I didn't answer the full question. So it informed, that was kind of a, our first test in the whole conversational thing. I don't think we even had like, you know, asking about skincare concerns in our welcome flow at that point. So just seeing that level of engagement just kind of proved to, to me that like, we need to lean into this more. Speaking on the SMS front, we'll probably, this might be a talking point for later, but SMS has been interesting to observe the kind of just how its performance has trended over time. In 2021, our SMS channel was on par with email. It was crushing. Last year, without really a shift in strategy, performance definitely dropped. And I don't know if this is something that's happened to other brands, but um, I think that it is easier uh, for customers and users to kind of write off texts from brands as spam quicker than email. And so I think if you are only sending kind of typical promotional texts at this point now, people are subscribed to a bunch of brands texts and it's just like lost much quicker than it is with email. So I think leaning into kind of the personal approach, where I mean, signing off your texts from a real person, making them seem like they're coming from a real person, or doing these kind of conversational engagement-focused texts, you kind of have to do that to keep SMS performing. At least oh. that's from my experience.
1: Absolutely. I mean, you just have a few characters, and SMS is generally very personal. So, uh, you know, sending spam messages with big images—I don't think that really works anymore. At least in this, at least from this year, yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, we definitely stay away. We'll do images sometimes if it's a, a new product launch or something. But I mean, it's cheaper to send it without an image. And generally, like, When we've done te- uh, testing, there's usually not a huge impact and like an increase in conversion if we throw an image in there. So generally, we stay away from that. Yeah, but behind the scenes type content, like some of our most successful text campaigns have literally been me in my bathroom at home taking a photo of the products that remain jack products i have and was just like hey these are my recommendations these are my favorite products all these five products are on sale 25 percent off with code troy 25 for the next three days that was not you know i didn't file a ticket for our creative team to develop this beautiful animated gif like it was super low-fi done in five minutes and that personal approach i think really kind of helps
1: do you remember the numbers on that i would love to Uh, i remember yeah
0: Yeah, it was definitely not equal (laughs) to the super bowl one of course Um, course. but it was i think the click rate was like let's say like eight percent is coming to me i don't know how true that is but like it was
1: super high
0: yeah. And it was, that was a big send too. Like I would expect our smaller sends, it it all comes, a lot of these things come down to like whatever the offer is in the segment. So, but it was a pretty broad send. It was one of those yeah, moments where eight, like, Yeah.
1: 8% is amazing. Like I think the average is two to 3%, right?
0: Maximum. Yeah. I mean, our, our campaigns are our kind of more general campaigns, probably average around that. But yeah, once we do something kind of special, it always it always makes an impact. So it's it's just a kind of matter of making sure you allocate enough time to SMS because it's the easy one to just kind of, you know, or we have this whole built out process for developing emails and then SMS is kind of sometimes me just like, oh God, I haven't sent out a text in a week. Like, what can I think of?
1: It's twenty twenty three. It should be easy to work with creators by now. Yet most of us are still stuck in spreadsheets, scouring databases, and still paying for inauthentic content. That's where Bounty comes in. Bounty is a Shopify app that puts TikTok, UGC, and partnerships on autopilot for your brand. Yeah. Incentivize your customers to share videos on TikTok after they purchase. Those who get paid on a CPM basis, all content is automatically saved in the app where you can manage usage rights and spark codes in just a few clicks. To start automating UGC and creator marketing for your store, simply visit bounty.co to book a demo. That's bounty.co to book your demo today. That's uh, that's pretty cool, you know, you're focused on SMS because I don't think a lot of brands have cracked it. Switching gears a little bit. Everyman Jack has been around for a long and it's a pretty, pretty big brand. I'm guessing eight or nine figures. I'm not sure, I haven't done the research. So, Specifically for DVC segment, uh, right? What is the percentage
0: of returning customers? Uh, do you calculate uh, that? We do calculate it. I am not going to say uh, okay, the no average problem. number, but we're in like a, a very healthy, a slightly above average space. And again, yeah. the number I'm looking at is everymanjack.com solely. So there is this kind of nebulous sure. number of the broad. Absolutely, but it's, absolutely. it's a very healthy rate. I'm proud of it. Go.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, for a huge brand like that, a healthy rate is uh, good news, always. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay, you have a a decent uh, retention number. You have a decent rate of repeat customers. How do you sustain that? So what are the flows? What are the campaigns? What are the activities that you do to sustain that? Give me the details of that.
0: Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, we have all of the standard flows you would expect. We have all those browse abandoned, abandoned carts, welcome flows replenishment flows, win back, like all of the basics, we have all of that. It was interesting when we migrated to Shopify, we also switched to Clavio for email. And that was kind of a really, it was a lot of work, but it was a fun opportunity for me because I essentially got to rebuild our entire email strategy from scratch. So a lot of last year, especially the first like six months, was building out all of those flows. And now we're at the point where we are... Making them more kind of uh, not complicated is a word for it, but like instead of just one standard welcome flow, you know, we have a few different versions and depending we have flows if you're coming in from an acquisition offer or just our standard evergreen, you know, welcome um, sign up unit on the website. So we're just working on kind of finessing those and doing a, a bunch of testing on what we currently have. And then flows like when I put in place recently, which small audience, but really, really high engagement rate is like, if you left us a positive review, we use stamped.io um, for reviews. We send out a text. It's like, hey, thank you so much. This is, you know, so-and-so from the customer support team. Just wanted to say thank you. We really appreciate your review. We share these with our team on our, our team meetings. And it, it means so much to the, to the people that work at Everyman Jack. And like that, we've had some really great responses. People will reply to that text and we've had like people tell stories about how they were introduced to the brand. So yeah, that's like kind of adding on those just kind of bonus flows is something that we're doing a lot of right now. I'm also building a loyalty kind of program. So there's going to be a whole bunch more kind of triggered flows and automations that we're going to be launching soon, which I'm, I'm really excited about. So if you like refer a friends or if you reach this points threshold or whatever, there's just like, I'm really excited for the performance on that. I'm curious to see loyalty program. Like I haven't dabbled in that world too much yet. And I know, you know, it'll be curious to see how, how uh, readily adopted it is, but I'm personally excited about just the automations it unlocks.
1: That and then another thing
0: yeah and then another thing with just like one of the most important things i think about factors for retention is new products having new products to talk about anytime we do a new products you know campaign it just crushes and we have a very healthy slate of new products this year um especially compared to last year there was a lot of transition in the company um and a lot of growth but this is the year where it's like all of this kind of new innovation that was being worked on last year is going to start coming out. So we're in the midst of like getting all of this creative prepped and just like the the hard work part of those, the prep for those launches. But those are the things that really, I think, make an impact and get customers excited because, you know, to this point, like generally it's the same products, the same sense with a few launches here and there, but having something new adds excitement to the brand.
1: I I completely agree with that. And uh, you're the second person on this podcast to talk about new product launches, because if you know Taylor from Outway Socks, right? He he was marketing there. He was uh, telling me that Outway Socks used to launch like some 10 or 12 designs every quarter. And they used to like, you know, crush it. Like n number of uh, people used to be excited about it, new designs in new uh, formats. I, I love that. and. I, I think new product launches will always bring your customers back. Like uh, Yeah, it's,
0: it's interesting. Like Dr. Squatch is obviously a competitor of ours and they have just been, they found so much success so quickly. And their brand, especially like, you know, again, on the e-commerce side, like they're one that I pay attention to more so than like Old Spice and Dove Men, which um, those on our team focus more on retail, probably they're the ones that they're eyeing. But one of the many reasons why I think Swatch has found success is they are constantly launching new scents for their bar soaps. And I'm not a, I don't work in the manufacturing side, the production side, so I don't know this for sure, but I feel like, you know, with no bottles and stuff to produce, like it's, you're probably able to produce new scents and all of that much quicker when it's bar soap. So, you know, that they are just having all these new scents for customers to try and a setup where when you shop their website, you're going through and you have all these options. And it's like a fun game to kind of like, which five cents am I going to try in this order? So it's a, it's a definitely a different setup from what we have. Cause we are around, I think eight cents. We have more come in, but it's, you know, it's a, it's a different game that they're playing. And I think that variety and just kind of some of them are limited sense. Some of them are tied to huge movies. Like it's a it's a really smart way to have exciting new things waiting for customers when they come back.
1: Without a doubt, without a doubt. Especially if you can drop products to attach to an event. I think that really works well. So for instance, the Super Bowl set. You folks could do that actually this year. I don't know. And uh, okay, cool. So you folks have a bunch of flows already set up, right? What are your top performing flows and why are they the top performing flows? Stop dreaming.
0: Yeah. So our top flow is our welcome flow, actually. And it's a complicated flow. There's various different branches in it. We've done a lot of work there to really like optimize it. If you're coming in from, we've been dabbling with quizzes. We're about to launch a few much more built out ones that I'm excited to do some more testing, but we've had a very simple skin kind of recommendation quiz. So there's a branch for that. If you come in from an acquisition offer, just various different branches for different types of customers. But we've gotten that welcome flow to a really healthy place. And so that's kind of, in general, I think always been our our top performer. Abandoned Cart, that's the next one. Um, That's another one we've done a a ton of testing on. Right now, we're actually doing some testing around. We're using Kohli, which was, is Uh, it's like a creator platform. They have launched an app recently, which is around basically enables you to upload different creative, like four different image images for a product. And we're doing some testing there to see like, is our standard product image, the product of our white backdrop versus a lifestyle shot. So a guy holding this product in the forest versus a guy holding a product in the shower versus the products on the countertop. Like what type of image performs best in our abandoned cart flow? That's a current test we're running, but abandoned cart is the second one. And then is a subscription. I don't know if this is our third, but one of our most successful flows is your order is about to ship. Uh, your subscription order is about to ship. Here's some products. That we recommend you add on and try out. Okay. That one's been cool as well.
1: Okay, okay.
0: That's like a again. I, I don't. I can't remember if that's our third most effective, but that's one that like pops to mind as like smaller segment size, but like really high performing flow.
1: Amazing, amazing. I'm gonna ask a little. Uh, ask you to go a little deeper into the welcome flow. Uh, can you tell me what like how it's segmented and what kind of emails go out?
0: Yeah. So we have a separate flow for customers that are like basically entering our welcome flow by making a purchase. So they didn't opt in 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 exchange for a discount code. So that one is kind of uh, very standard, five emails, more around just like kind of re emphasizing or emphasizing our brand and kind of like our mission statement and our bestsellers and some educational content. But for the people that enter into our other welcome flow, in exchange for an offer, um, that's the one that gets complicated. So you can enter it via doing our skin quiz where you give us some third-party data. And they we have a branch there that then branches even further if you indicate that you have oily skin versus dry skin versus normal skin. So, like we kind of cater some educational content recommendations based off of what you tell us. Then we have kind of our our standard setup with the the discount code for people that enter through just our uh, evergreen signup unit. Uh, And then something that we've been working on uh, much more recently is for people that come in via paid ads, making sure that we have at least an exit intent specific to that ad uh, or the offer in that ad uh, set up on the page that they enter on. And then a welcome flow or like a branch within our welcome flow that caters to that offer. Uh, That was a big miss, I would say, just kind of based on resources. But we had a number of, you know, very high traffic acquisition offers last year that didn't have an email or SMS acquisition strategy tied to it. So... Just the like little bit we've been in, been able to enable so far this year has made a huge impact there just because again, it's, I mean, we want to capture the traffic and capture as many emails and texts or phone numbers as possible. So yeah, there's kind of branches for each of those segments, if you will. And then the content in general is, you know, unless they told us they have acne, like specific skin. Um, we're recommending the best sellers and we have an email with, you know, great reviews and kind of the standard stuff, but with slight tweaks to make it relevant for that segment.
1: Okay. That's great, great explanation on that. I uh, love it. I, uh, I I love detailed segmentations because I think uh, the more the more specific you can segment, the better your conversion rates are, right? Do you? Yeah. Uh, yeah I mean... Have you seen the same thing happen, or do, would you say that if you send more broad, uh, you, you have seen more revenue or more? Yeah,
0: it's interesting. So, for our welcome flow, it's complicated and it is working. Um, for our replenishment flow, I've done a ton of testing there and we went really complicated at first. Mm-hmm with all these different kind of recommendations. Hey, you purchased this body wash, round out your scent with these complimentary products in the same scent, and did a bunch of different testing, and it did not work until we like simplified. So it it might just depend on the flow, but that yeah, our kind of post-purchase experience and replenishment flows are much more simple than our our welcome flow.
1: Amazing. I I love hearing the answer. It depends, right? Because it literally depends every time I think.
0: I mean, one thing on the replenishment thing, that's been like my pain point for a while now. And I think it might be due to the fact I, this is what I blame, but like Again, our products are so readily available, but yeah, our replenishment flow is one that there's still a bunch more testing to do. I really want to get that to a, like, just, I want that flow to be one of the top three performing flows and it's been a struggle. It, it really is, I think, dependent, you know, a discount strategy and all of that. There's a lot of different factors to it, but it's, that's the, my pain point for sure that I'm trying to, trying to fix.
1: I'm, I'm sure you'll be able to figure it out uh, sooner than later. That's for sure. Uh, I know that. <laughs> awesome. So almost uh, almost at the end of time, a uh, few few questions that I have that I ask uh, pretty much every guest. Uh, what metrics do you track in retention to track the success of retention?
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, again, kind of the basics, repeat purchase rate. We look at AOV, so I mean we're always hoping that the order value rises. as as customers come back. One that I've been looking at, we've been using Lifetimely um, as like a a data tool recently. For my purposes, it gets much deeper into retention metrics than most of the other data platforms. And I found a ton of value from that. So looking at just average time to reorder, just like a timing breakdown, that's something that I've been paying a lot more attention to recently. One of the insights from that platform that we pulled like right after we installed it sometime in the fall was I always kind of had this educated, but assumption that like we should start our replenishment flows and kind of the whole reorder pushes around, I think it was like around 90 days, which, you know, for most of our products makes sense. That's typically how long like the body wash will last. But I looked into lifetime data and I was seeing that a lot of our second, uh, second orders happened around like 30 days and that changed my whole thinking i moved all of our flows like the replenishment reorder flows up and that made an impact for sure a positive impact so the timing is a metric that i've been looking at and just trying to like move that that metric specifically up um that's been a big focus but yeah repeat purchase rate lifetime value like the the staples are of course one that i look at every day
1: amazing amazing And uh, somebody else also mentioned that they also track certain metrics in uh, tandem with the CX team, so something like a CSAT or an NPS. Do you folks also track that in retention?
0: Yeah, so it's funny. I actually basically just took over the CS team this year. So still very much kind of, yeah, (laughs) which makes sense though. I think for retention, it's so tied together in my world is very automation focused and it's been a fun project for me again it's been like a couple of weeks but like seeing what we can do with all the gorgeous integrate like the gorgeous integration there's a ton of stuff there i mentioned those chat campaigns as a project i'm working on so those metrics are something that as of like two weeks ago i have been paying attention to
1: amazing yeah i retention
0: cx goes hand in hand no doubt about it, no doubt about it. yeah um, we're lucky yeah. um our our like Ticket volume and the the issues we have uh, at Everyman Jack are pretty light. Um, it's, ah, compared to previous companies that I've worked at, which CS was right. like just always on fire, um, it's been pretty calm, which has been nice.
1: That's a very good indication of you folks make great products, as simple well as that. Yeah. You
0: know? yeah. Yeah. It's always just shipping issues. As a good just, Yeah. The products are usually not the issue.
1: What, what mistakes do you see BBC brands make? in retention constantly, and uh, how do you
0: solve them? Yeah, I would say two come to mind. The first is not, um, and I would say like newer, kind of like the cool DTC brands that get a lot of just attention have this in place. But if you don't have a strategy in place to capture emails, emails at minimum, text, just a way to contact your customers and don't have an infrastructure to kind of, you know, just engage with them after their purchase, it's just a huge missed opportunity. You know, if you're like a two person, one person store, I think taking the time and using the resources to get at least your basic automations in place will have such a huge impact on retention and just the performance of the business for customers. So that if you don't have, you know, that in place, an email capture unit, a post-purchase flow, a thank you message afterwards, like that is definitely a huge miss. And then discounts. It's interesting for us, we were not shy about discounts. Again, it's if you're coming to our website to purchase, um, you have easier options. And so we lean into discounts, but not all brands do and not all brands should. And Uh, you know, I think there's a lot of testing to be done there to see like in in your win back or post-purchase flows, like are you giving away a discount to try and get them to come back too soon? Are you giving it the same discount code to everyone? And, you know, customers can just use it every time they order. There's a lot of testing that can and should be done there and see like, you know, maybe I withhold a promo code for the first three kind of win back attempts, but on the last one, that's when I give it out. Instead of just giving it out and win back email, number one, I think you train your customers to expect discount codes if you do it the wrong way.
1: Totally. Absolutely. You cannot sustain as a discount brand forever. Without a doubt. Uh, Okay, cool. Last question. What's your advice for brands? I think you kind of covered it, but... What's your second advice for brands starting with retention today?
0: Yeah, I mean, leaning into automations is the big one. So again, email, SMS, but uh, depending on your tech stack, all these apps talk to each other. So just figuring out what your options are. And then again, like zooming out and seeing what the customer experience is like. So we do this like via journey mapping, like literally I'll, I'll pull up a board and just like map out, kind of a flow of like okay a new customer lands on the website what are the touch points what do we want them to do either purchase or give us their email phone number and just go down like through a full experience like all the way to like okay they've made the third purchase what do we want them to do and just yeah like really figure out what you can do at each point to best serve your needs so you know getting ways to contact them and like what you do to set up an experience that really helps the customer as well. Then, I mean, part of that is just customer support, making sure you have everything in place there for customers that need help, being proactive instead of and just making it easy, gorgeous is the tool we use. And it, you know, something we did recently, was like, take a look at what are the questions we're getting asked most frequently, and then setting those those up as like those auto response things. So We answer those questions. We have a way to answer those questions without even needing for the customer to wait for a support agent to jump on. And then making sure that for testing specifically, one, you have a testing infrastructure and like have plans on like what you want to test and kind of like why's and good reasons behind those. And then a way to track the results, but then also letting things run for a while so that you're actually getting like sufficient data. Something I've fallen to in the past was like just getting overexcited and just constantly tinkering with flows and that if you're doing that you're not letting like the real data come in so yeah i think from a high level those are probably the main things
1: that is amazing and that's a lot to digest in one episode i'm guessing we can pick out individual stuff and we can have one each episodes on it but we we are at our time but before for go where where can people find you and what are the things they can talk to you about?
0: Yeah, uh, you can find me on all the social medias. My main one is the one that I talk e-commerce, or I guess two, but uh, Twitter and LinkedIn. Twitter, my handle is just Troy Petronoff, P-E-T-R-U-N-O-F-F. Search the same name on LinkedIn, but Twitter is where I'm most active. Is it?
1: Yeah, Twitter
0: is where DVC is at. And
1: what what can people talk to you about? Anything? Yeah, anything.
0: I, I'm definitely more of a. I try to be better and more active. I'm decently active on Twitter. I'm more of a lurker um, than a than a writer. I haven't written a thread or anything yet, but I'm always down to chat uh, and love engaging um, and having kind of the those natural conversations. So I love talking e-commerce and just talking about cool brands, cool test tactics, all of that. Um, and and so, skincare. <laughs> yeah, I know so, way too much about that now. So if you have any needs, hit me up.
1: Totally. I, I'll definitely do. You, you can see my face. Oh my God. It's so bad. So yeah. <laughs> Awesome. Troy, it's, it, it's been a pleasure to host you on this show. Amazing, amazing conversation. and so much, so much insights that I, I cannot digest in one day. So that's for sure. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you for coming on the show. I hope to chat with you again.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you.
1: Good one. Bye. It's 2023. It should be easy to work with creators by now, isn't it? Yet most of us are still stuck in spreadsheets, covering databases, and paying for inauthentic content from creators who don't really care about your products. Do they? That's where Bounty comes in. Bounty is a Shopify app that puts TikTok, UGC, and partnerships on autopilot for your store. Bounty works by incentivizing your customers to share videos on TikTok after they purchase. Users get paid on a CPM basis, and all content is automatically saved in the app where you can manage usage rights and Spark codes in just a few clicks. Bounty also supports gifting with automated auto creation and with invite flows and links. It's easy to leverage Bounty's incentive structure for any creator you want to work with. When you're ready to start automating your GC and creator marketing for your store, just visit Bounty.co for a demo. Once again, that's Bounty.co to book your demo. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Retention Road. If you like this podcast, please subscribe on YouTube or leave us a rating review on Apple and Spotify. Thanks again to our sponsor, Bounty, for supporting the show.